Today, we are about to continue our Advent series in a very special way with an amazing, amazing opportunity for you to be blessed because today is Craig Olson's official first day with us. Pastor Craig is now on staff as one of our teaching pastors. Yeah, I love that you guys are excited. And Maya, by the way, Craig had a huge impact in your life. Yes, Craig spoke at my fifth grade winter camp and I still quote like a lot of what he said. And Crossroads, uh, will you join me and Pastor Chuck in welcoming Craig Olson? Yes. So good. Crossroads, it is so great to be with you guys today. Hey, as these guys wrap up, will you let this worship team know how much you appreciate them? These guys great or what? Uh, by the way, if it's your first day here ever at Crossroads, you're in good company because it's my first day too. And so we're in this, yeah, it's sort of my first day. Uh, it's, uh, so, uh, so I got six and a half years ago, we got hired here. I was a middle school pastor for three years and uh, God took us away. Yeah, shout out to middle school who are now high schoolers now. I don't know how that's possible. Um, and we're just so excited about what God's doing. God has uh, uh, created an opportunity for us here and uh, we're just so so excited uh, to be back. And so just a special shout out to everybody watching online, out on the patio, and of course, right inside here. We're so glad uh, that you guys are here. Uh, before we jump into today, though, uh, I do want to take a quick moment, um, and we want to pray for those uh, that have uh, just been, um, they're, they're, they've lost loved ones, uh, their livelihoods have been lost because of those um, just catastrophic tornadoes that have hit the Midwest uh, throughout Kentucky and neighboring states. And so um, we just want to pray a, a blessing over them um, that uh, they would feel tangibly uh, the love of God, um, uh, that that would be unleashed through the churches there as well. Um, so would you join me and uh, let's, let's lift up uh, the Midwest in prayer. Father, we thank you for, um, God, your provision and your plan. God, sometimes in moments like this, we don't understand it. But Lord, we know that you are in complete control. This is not a surprise to you. God, I'm reminded of the song that says you have the whole world in your hands. And so, Lord, we, uh, we, we have so much confidence in you. Lord, I pray that you would unleash local churches in that area, uh, Lord, that they would not only be able to, on the ground, tangibly be able to make a difference, Lord, but they would bring uh, the thing that could ultimately change people's lives, not just here on earth, but for eternity. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would um, use the local church in and around Kentucky, uh, Lord, um, and uh, e even far as extending to the, from coast to coast and even around the world, uh, Lord, here. And so, Jesus, we pray uh, for comfort for those who have lost loved ones. Uh, Lord, we pray for those who have um, just endured so much in losing their livelihood. Uh, Lord, we pray for a swift recovery uh, for them, God. Uh, would you use us? Would you use other churches? Would you use those uh, that call upon your name, God, to ultimately make a difference uh, in, in the here and now, but also for eternity? God, we love you. We thank you. We commit them into your hands. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said together. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope that you guys have been enjoying uh, the Advent series. How many of you guys are following along the devotional, by the way? Great, great uh, devotional. Um, Christmas time is such a fun season, is it not? You get to enjoy sweet treats, right? You get to enjoy family. You get to enjoy presents. You get to enjoy incredible Christmas services, which will be happening this coming week here at Crossroads. Um, but division can happen during Christmas time. Truly, 
Division can happen in a household that could be more united than ever. And it's division that is found when families have to make the incredibly difficult decision to decide on which Christmas movie to watch. Because we've all got different favorites, right? For example, you've got Elf. How many of you guys love Elf? Oh, yeah, we got the, yeah, yeah, you got, we got those, right? How many of you guys are like, you know what? I'm here for the musicals. Give me White Christmas all day. Oh, yeah, we got, we got White Christmas. Uh, of course, you've got the timeless classic, It's a Wonderful Life. How many of you guys love It's a Wonderful Life? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, wonderful. Now, if you really want to create division during Christmas time, Oh, yeah, this person knows where I'm going. Oh, this is, this, is, this is problematic because then you start to create another division of, well, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? <laughs> and those clapping, I would assume, would agree. And, of course, you've got those that say, oh, Die Hard, that's my Christmas movie. Or maybe you're like me and your favorite Christmas movie, without a doubt, no question, unequivocally every year my favorite movie ever is Home Alone. That's right. Oh, yeah. Nothing like leaving an eight-year-old at home and letting him run roughshod over everybody. Come on. What are we doing? You know what rarely shows up on anybody's favorite? A Charlie Brown Christmas. Oh, right. Everybody's like, I forgot about that one. I wouldn't want to watch it, but it's so good. Charles Schultz in 1965 created this 25-minute incredible short film about the true meaning of Christmas. And I don't know about you, but there is somebody, the very first time that I watched it as a kid, this person, it struck a chord in me. This person I could relate to immediately. And before you start thinking I was a kid that didn't bathe, no, it wasn't Pigpen, it was, of course... Linus, the blanket-toting toddler, because I had this blanket from when I was a baby, and I loved my blanket. And if you don't believe me now, you could feast your eyes on this picture right here. There I am. Oh. There were ducks and boats and like little balls on this blanket, and now... You can't see this on here. I loved this blanket so much. In fact, I loved it so much that I couldn't sleep without this thing. How many of you guys had a blanket? How many of you guys had, oh, the blankie, right? You called it a different name. Some of y'all are really embarrassed up here. I toted this thing out on stage today. How many of you guys are blanket people out there today? Thank you. Don't make me go down the teddy bear or pacifier list. But I love this thing. I love this thing so much that I slept with this blanket all the way up until August 1st, 2009. Because on August 2nd, 2009, I got married. That, my friends, is a true story. Linus carried this thing wherever he went. You can't find a scene in Charlie Brown Christmas where he doesn't have this. There's this powerful scene in the movie created by Charles Schultz where the producers actually came to Charles at the very beginning when they were trying to sort through everything and they said, hey, we think that there is a part in the movie that just needs to be cut. We think that there's a scene in here that we're just going to lose, lose people and truthfully, we don't really want this movie to have some like overt uh, religious tones in it. You know the part I'm, I'm talking about. It's the, that's the meaning of Christmas 
Charlie Brown's speech. It's that one where Linus would get up and he would begin to proclaim the gospel as Charlie Brown is wondering what the actual real meaning of Christmas is. Linus is so incredibly attached to his blanket throughout the entire movie, and it wasn't just any other blanket, was it? This was actually what we would probably call a security blanket. A security blanket is a person or an object that we cling to for feelings of safety or comfort when we're especially in a situation that worries us or causes us anxiety or makes us feel nervous. What's your security blanket? What do you cling to? Because as I think about this movie, it's this scene right here where Linus delivers the true meaning of Christmas that was nearly cut from the movie. Charles Schultz responded with, we're not cutting that. We will leave that in here because I want people to hear the true meaning of Christmas. And I actually think that that part with Linus delivering that gospel truth right out of scripture, that's the most powerful part in the entire movie. That's the most powerful part in the entire movie. I'll tell you why in just a little bit. But to understand this, we have to start with Mary. We have to start with Mary at the very beginning of the Christmas story. You see, Mary had her life planned out. Everything was ready to happen just as she had planned. She was young. She was about to be married. They called it being betrothed, where you were promised to somebody in marriage. She was a virgin, which of course is an important detail in the story of Advent, Jesus is coming. Mary followed a path that women of that day were supposed to follow. She did all the right things, and she knows exactly what she is due in return because of how she has set her life up so well. It could be said like this, that Mary had a plan for her life, but was it God's plan for her life? Why does all this matter? What is, what is blankets and, and virgin births? Why does all of this actually matter? Here's why it matters. Because many people today are living out a plan for their life, but they're not living God's plan for their life. Why? Well, some people think that they, they know better, better than God. God, you, you've missed some of the details along the way, and I think I've got a better grip and handle on what my life should look like. Some are actually fearful that God doesn't care that you've lived from a place of fear your entire life thinking, God, God has missed so many things along the way in my life that I don't think he actually cares about what I'm going through. I've cried out to him, I've called out to him, but I feel like I've never heard back from him. Some people think that their situation is unique. You see, God cares about other people, but he doesn't care about me. So it begs this question, how do I live God's plan for my life. We're gonna be in Luke chapter one, so if you're following along uh, on the app, uh, uh, verses will be up on the screen right here. In Luke chapter one, we will begin to unpack what it looks like through Mary, what it means to actually live God's plan for our lives, because Mary's story is significant. Let's start in Luke chapter one, starting in uh, chapter one, verse 26 and 27, it says this. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed, there's that word, to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And then something happens. This is how it all starts, right? You get, you get the Bible open, you start reading the story, and then something happens. An angel shows up. An angel. An angel shows up out of nowhere. And as you're reading this, oftentimes you may think, oh, 
A cute little angel. I mean, what, what's, what's cuter than this? I mean, come on. Precious moments eat your heart out right there. Some of y'all got the precious moments nativity set up in your living room right now. That's great. And this is what we often think of when it comes to this cute little angel that shows up to Mary and just innocently taps her on the shoulder and says, hey, Mary, I've got some news for you. But not, aw, it's not cute. It's not cute at all. This is a terrifying moment. How do we know this? Well, for starters, it's this. Anyone that shows up to you and has to start their message with, don't be afraid, (laughs) should indicate to you and I that the picture of this angel is not exuding the cuteness that you and I might originally think about. Don't be afraid. And this is exactly what this angel, Gabriel, does. He starts off and he says, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But Mary was very perplexed, verse 29, at this statement and was pondering what kind of greeting this even was. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You might be thinking, well, what's so bad about that? The angel showed up. He had to say, do not, do not fear. What, what, was so, what was so bad about that? Well, If we go back a little bit in our Bible and you flip back uh, many, many, many pages back to a book called Daniel, in Daniel chapter 10, Gabriel actually appeared to Daniel in a vision. And before you start discrediting Daniel, you're like, oh, this guy, he's a little soft. I'm not going to lie. Like, honestly, I've heard some of the things. You got like the Daniel fast. Like, I mean, come on. He's not like, are you sure? Are you sure about this? This is the same guy who was chilling in a furnace and didn't burn. This is also the guy that walked into a lion's den and wasn't harmed. So before you start discrediting Daniel and his reaction to the angel showing up to him, the guy's got a, re- the guy's got a record. And he doesn't get easily scared or intimidated. Look at Daniel chapter 10, verses uh, five through nine. Look at this. This is what he says. He says, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. This is where it gets wild. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. Um, Flashes of lightning. Have you ever been up close to a lightning strike? This is not a joke, people. I'll never forget standing in my parents' house in Fullerton, California, one Friday night, I was young, and there was a massive thunderstorm that happened, which by the way is breaking news around here because we don't ever get them, right? People, like, they stop, storm watch over. I mean, we get storm watch when it, when it sprinkles, but, but it's just crazy, and it's all. And so my mom thought, this is going to be so fun, so it's Friday night, we got to stay up late. She, she pulls the, the curtains open, and we're just standing there. You guys, there was a flash of lightning that I swear hit our backyard, and my eyes hurt because it was so bright. You guys ever had that experience before? Any, any like wild, crazy storm chasers in here? That's a great show, by the way. Anybody like, did, that hurts your eyeballs so bad. So this angel shows up and his face is flashing like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. It says his arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing and they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. They didn't even see the angel, and these guys knew, we're out of here. Verse 8, 
So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. Check out what happens after he sees this vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale and I felt very weak. This is the best part. Then I heard the man speak and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted. Then I heard the man speak and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted. He fell to the ground and he laid there with his face on the ground. This is the angel that we're talking about and so you better believe that his greeting has to start with do not fear. But why is that so important? And I know we're sitting here today and it's hard for us to wrap our minds around the fact of an angel showing up and its face looking like lightning and its eyes flaming like torches and we can't really fathom the voice of somebody like causing us to faint. We, 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 can't, we can't really wrap our minds around that but I, I, I bet I could come pretty close to it because for you and I today, this whole scene with Daniel, this whole scene with every other angel that shows up to anybody in scripture that we see documented it would be like you picking up the phone today and you say hello and on the other end of that phone call you hear somebody's voice say, hey, are you sitting down right now? You ever been there? Hey, hey are, you, are you sitting down right now? You, you might want to sit down for this because your life is about to change. The lives of your loved one Loved ones, they might be ready to change, all because of this phone call, all because of this, hey, are you sitting down right now? And for some of you, you're in the middle of that. You're waiting for that phone call. There is somebody that is close to you in your life right now, and you know that the very next phone call that you get will be, hey, are you sitting down? because somebody's ill, because there's been some disruption in your job. We're all just one phone call away from that particular moment. But the reality is, because of this story that we study this morning, we know that God cares for us, that God is with us, because this is exactly how Mary felt. The modern day version, she just got the phone call and it said, hey, are you sitting down? The angel showed up and said, hey, Mary, don't fear, but I got some news for you, which begs this question again, how do I live God's plan for my life? There are actually two things, two prerequisites that must be true in order for us to get to the single characteristic that has to exist in our lives. The first prerequisite, you can't say that very fast, by the way, you can't, you gotta, you gotta let that like slow because you'll trip, you'll trip over it. The first prerequisite is this, receive God's grace. You have to receive God's grace. So after the whole fear thing kind of settles down, the angel continues and starts with the message that he intended to deliver to Mary. Luke chapter one, verse 28, it says this, greetings favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was perplexed at this statement, pondering what kind of message this was. And the angel said, don't be afraid, for you have found, wait for it, favor with God. You have found favor. She's like, favor? What does, that, what does that even mean? The Greek word used here for this word favor actually comes, uh, the English word we have here comes from the Greek word charis. Charis. It actually means grace. It's literally what it means. It means grace. So the angel is communicating to Mary, guess what? You 
have found grace with God. What's grace? Grace is unmerited, undeserved favor. The reality is for Mary, for you, for me, for everybody, we are all in need of God's grace. This isn't new to most people. We are all in need of God's grace. But oftentimes, we only run that through the lens or the filter of things that we have done in our past. That's when we think that we need God's grace. I used to be involved in this thing, and I, sh- and I shouldn't have. I need grace for that. I did this thing one time, and I regret that I did it. I need grace for that. I made a huge mistake. Or I sinned. I need grace because of what I did. But the truth is, grace doesn't just cover our past. It actually covers our future as well. Well, what kind of future grace would Mary actually need in this? Well, Mary needs what every new mom needs, right? Moms are tasked with keeping a human alive Nurturing them, caring for them, feeding them, teaching them, coddling them. And that's just what mommy has to do for daddy. The baby hasn't even entered the picture yet. But in reality, think about this with me for a second. Mary was the first person on planet Earth throughout the, inc- just the, the entire span of time as we know it. She was the first person to actually hold the information of who the person would be, who the Messiah would be. Isn't that wild to think about? People knew, obviously, that there would be a Messiah, but they didn't know who that would actually be. Mary was the first person to know that. Mary was soon to give birth to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, the Son of God. How about this one? Mary would actually be the greatest influence in the young savior's life. Isn't that wild? She's a mom just like every other mom in this room. You carry the greatest influence in your young child's life and the same is true for her influence over Jesus. And even in light of all this, Mary wasn't perfect. No one is obviously except Jesus, but she was the recipient of God's favor, God's grace. And for Mary, it would actually be what lies ahead of her that should have caused her grief. Check out what Gabriel says will go down. Luke chapter one, verse 31 through 33, it says this. And behold, you will, rec- you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall call him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. This is the news that the angel shows up and delivers. This is a direct contradiction to the exact life that Mary thought, I've got everything set up and I'm ready to do this thing. I'm betrothed. I've done everything the right way. And the angel comes and delivers this news of, whoa, 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 hold on. That might have been your plan, but this, this is God's plan. Can you imagine what had to have been swirling around in Mary's mind at that moment? Can you even just, just, just imagine the what ifs? As I sit here and I read this story over and over and over again, I think about what kinds of questions these what ifs, these like silent rebuttals that she would have to the angel and to God. Because the first thing that comes to mind is, I mean, Mary probably did, I mean, if she's got all her ducks in a row, she probably did pretty good in school. She probably got an A in biology. So she knows what it takes to conceive a child. And she's thinking, I didn't do that. And so she's thinking, well, 
what if this doesn't add up scientifically? Because I'm pretty sure that if I go to Joseph and say, hey, remember that biology class we had together that one time? (laughs) Joseph ain't buying this. She's got to be thinking that, right? And it's exactly what she responds to the angel with. Look at verse 34. She says, she says, well, how will this be since I'm a virgin? This doesn't add up scientifically. Another what if she has to be thinking from my perspective is, what if Joseph doesn't believe me? What if Joseph then divorces me? What if my family disowns me? Because by the way, these are all actual practices that would have happened back then. Worse yet. As we see in Deuteronomy 22, she's probably thinking in the back of her mind, what if I'm killed for this? What if I'm killed for this? And despite of all these questions, we go back to what the angel said, you have found what? Favor. You have found favor with God. You are a recipient of God's grace. You see, grace was actually highlighting the possibility of God's work. How? How can grace highlight the possibility of God's work? Isn't that the work that's already been done? The grace is already there for past, present, future? Yes, and if we go look at the Apostle Paul, who authored nearly half of the New Testament, who is a pillar of the Christian faith, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses nine and 10, he's actually dealing with a physical ailment, and he's appealing to God saying, Take this away from me, please. And this is what God responds to him in verse nine. It says this, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. This is what God says to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, the power for, for power is perfected in weakness. And then Paul responds with this. He says, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Check this out. Therefore, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in distresses, in persecutions, in difficulties on behalf of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, when it becomes impossible for you and I, it still remains possible for the Lord. You see, God loves the impossible. That's his comfort zone. He loves the impossibility. Maybe you've heard it said like this. Somebody once said, God lives at the end of your rope. At the end of it, not in the middle of it, not on the last third, but he lives at the very end of your rope. And oftentimes to see God's work, we have to let go. We have to let God work. You see, grace is not just about forgiveness, but it's also about strength in times of weakness. So we have to receive God's grace. Now, if I could actually hitch the second prerequisite as closely as like a, as a, as a, as a, as a second, like a, an attachment to this, this is the closest that I could get from receive God's grace to the second prerequisite, which is this. Number two, remain humble. You got to remain humble. Because the minute that you don't, all of a sudden you begin to think that this is all about you. Check out Mary's response though in verse 38. Look at the first part of 38. She says, behold the Lord's bondservant. I'm standing here and I am the Lord's bondservant. God, let me be the bondservant here. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. This word bondservant that she uses in the Greek is the word doule. It's actually the, it comes from the English word where we get the word doula, right? Someone who assists a mom in, in childbirth, right? Who is there to just simply serve. And this is actually a callback to a bondservant that we see in Exodus chapter 21. The Hebrew word for this is actually ahead, ahead. 
And as we begin to unpack what a bondservant looks like in Exodus chapter 21, verses 1 through 6, you're going to notice some pretty powerful things right here. Look at this. It says this. These are the regulations you must present to Israel. If you buy a Hebrew slave, he may serve for no more than six years. Set him free in the seventh year, and he will owe you nothing for his freedom. Verse 3. If he was single when he became your slave, he shall leave single. But if he was married before he became a slave, then his wife must be freed with him. If his master gave him a wife while he was a slave and they had sons or daughters, then only the man will be free in the seventh year, but his wife and children will still belong to his master. But the slave may declare, I love my master, my wife and my children. I don't want to go free. You see, Mary has understood something so incredibly crucial here. She recognized that the master of her life has a better plan for her life than she could come up for her own. She recognized that her life is supposed to be a service of, she's indebted to God. God, this is not my life, this is not my plan, this is your life and this is your plan. Make my life all about you. It's why she uses this word bondservant. It's recognizing that God's plan for my life is better than my plan for my life. And there are many prominent men of the Old Testament who were referred to as servants. God spoke of Abraham as his servant. Joshua, David, and Isaiah are called servants of the Lord. Even Jesus, the Messiah, is called God's servant in Isaiah 53. And in all these instances, the term servant carries this idea. That the bondservant, the servant, him or herself, carries the idea of humble nobility. You see, being God's servant is actually an honorable position. It's exactly what Mary declares. She says, God, I'm your servant. She realizes this about God. She realizes this is not about herself. She realizes this is not about anything that she has done. But she recognizes the two most important things that leads to the trait. She recognizes that she needs to receive God's grace and that she needs to remain humble because these two points are more about posture. These two things have to be true in order to possess the single most important characteristic. You ready for it? It's the one quality that you will need to live out God's plan for your life. It's this, relinquish control. Relinquish control. If you can't receive God's grace, if you can't remain humble, you'll never be able to fully relinquish control of your life. Look at what Mary declares at the second part of verse 38. She says, and may all of this be done to me according to your word. Mary was available to the Lord. She had relinquished control and she was ready to say yes to God's plan for her life. She was ready to let go. And when you do that, you too will also become available to God. Back to Charlie Brown Christmas. Gets towards the end of the movie. Charlie Brown, as he has done in every other movie, has just botched everything. Or so he thinks. And they're looking at the good old-fashioned Charlie Brown Christmas tree. And Charlie Brown realizes, you know what? I've ruined Christmas. I bought the worst tree in the lot. Look at this dud that I got. If we don't have a real good tree, what is Christmas even about? And here comes the moment. 
Linus, toting his blanket around, comes up to Charlie Brown and says, Charlie Brown, I, I know the real meaning of Christmas. And then he goes and he takes center stage. And he says, lights, please. And he begins to quote the moment when the angels appear to the shepherds out in the field taking care of their flocks by night. And then all of a sudden, something happens in the movie that I've never seen before. Have you seen it? Did you catch this part? Because there's this part where Linus is actually standing there and he's quoting this, he's preaching the word of God. He's, he's literally saying word for word this particular passage from scripture. And then he gets to the part where the angels show up. And what do the angels have to say? Do not fear. And check this out. Look at this. Charlie Brown, or sorry, Linus, he says, do not fear. And when he says, do not fear, he does something that you don't see throughout any other part of the movie. He drops his blanket. He drops his blanket. It's out of his hand. He recognizes that in order to not be afraid, I have to let go of the thing that I have been finding security in. I have to let go of the thing that has been holding me back because I have thought all along that it's my plan, not God's plan. And God's saying, don't you realize that you just have to let go? You just have to let go. You see, the biggest hangup to availability for God is fear. Why? Because we will always cling to something when we grapple with fear in our lives. And it's okay to have fearful responses sometimes. It's okay to recognize that there might be some hard, challenging things going on in your life, but if you're willing to hold on to that tighter than you are willing to hold on to God, you're missing it. You're missing your chance to be available to God. You have to relinquish that control. The biggest hangup to availability is fear. And my question for you this morning is this, what do you need to let go of? What is the thing that you've been toting around for such a long time that you need to declare today, God, I'm, I'm ready to let go of it? It might have been abuse in your past that you have been the recipient of and you've been holding on to unforgiveness for such a long time and you have said, nope, that is the reason why my life is what it is today. And God says, you don't have to carry that. You just need to let go. You need to be able to extend forgiveness because you're only harming yourself. That you need to extend that forgiveness. Maybe you've been holding on to a toxic relationship. Maybe there's somebody that you need to end a dating relationship with, maybe a friendship. Maybe there's an improper relationship, an extramarital affair that you just realized, you know what, today's the day I need to let go of that. And there might be some consequences and there might be some difficult things that I have to face, but I guarantee you that the plan that God's got for you is way better than the plan that you've been toting around for such a long time. Maybe you need to stop clamoring for the corporate ladder of success because you have been willing to put your family and your time and your energy, those people that, you, that look to you the most to be the, the, the leader, the spiritual leader, the guide in your family, and you've been willing to throw that up on the altar and say, God, I don't need any of that because I'm over here clinging to this success that I just have to have because that's my identity. That's not your identity. You need to let that go. God says, I've got a better plan for your life. Maybe it's the busyness. This is such a crucial season for the enemy to want to get in and say, you know what, you're just too busy to let go of everything. You're just too busy. you got too many other things going on in your life. You don't have time for that. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. And God says, why are you so worried about all this busyness? Would you just spend some time with me first at the very beginning of your day? 
Maya's been reading her Bible every day for the past, for, for, for the last four or five years. Every single day. I guarantee you she's been experiencing the Lord and she's a teenager. She got all kinds of craziness going on in her life. Maybe you need to let go of the busyness. Maybe you need to let go of your children being the most important thing in your life. Maybe you need to recognize that your relationship with God and the relationship with your spouse actually needs to be above that. And you need to let go of that. You see, when you hold on to stuff, when you hold on to things, when you hold on to relationships, no matter how good or even how bad, if you're not clinging to God first, you're gonna miss it. And if you're clinging to something, it means you can't receive anything. You ever try to catch a football like this? It's not gonna go well. It's gonna hit you right in the face. It's not gonna go well. And in order to receive something, your hand's gotta be open. And if you're gonna receive something, before you do that, you have to let go of something. What do you need to let go of today? Pastors will always say this. Every illustration ends up breaking down, right? Every, every example you use, it ends up just kind of breaking down. And, and I caught that moment when I watched this scene. Actually, there's this part where it actually spans away from, it, it kind of pans away from Linus, and he's standing there, and he doesn't have his blanket. It's on the ground. And then when he finishes his line, this is where the illustration breaks down. What does he do? Picks it back up, and he walks off. And I thought, well... Of course, every illustration breaks down, but then I really thought about it, and I thought, how many times has this been true of us? It's easy to declare on a Sunday morning that I'll let go of it, sure. But the minute that we step right back out in there, we get back into our cars, we step back into our homes, we get back into that work grind, we just kind of do this, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's actually too hard. And we reach back for the thing that we've always gone back to. Today I wanna challenge you, what is that thing that you need to let go of? What is that thing that you need to declare today and say, God, I trust your plan more than I trust my own. And for some of you in here today, in order to be able to do that, in order for that to even be possible in your mind, the very first thing you need to do is you need to receive Jesus first and foremost. You need to receive him as your Lord and Savior. You need to come to him. You need to say yes to him because Jesus paid a price for your life that you can't pay for yourself. That's why he did what he did 2,000 years ago because he recognized that we were all in need of a savior. And in order to live out God's plan, the first thing we have to do is we have to say yes to him. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray for anybody in here right now whose heart is beating so fast. Because God, there is something resonating inside of them where they are saying, this, this is exactly what I need to do. This is the let go process that I need to experience and I need to receive you. God, I pray that you'd give them boldness and you would give them courage as only you could do. If you walked in here today and you found your hands full of stuff, full of things that have been distracting you from living out God's plan. I wanna encourage you to say yes to Jesus, to let go of all that stuff. 
to put your hope and trust in God's plan first. That God's plan includes you following him. And so, Father, I pray for anybody in here who needs to say yes to you, who needs to come to you for the first time, or maybe they need to come back to you. Maybe they've been running in the wrong direction. I pray for anybody in here. If that's you, I'm gonna pray a prayer right now. This isn't a fancy prayer. It's not a special prayer. It's just a prayer that acknowledges, God, you're God. I'm not. This life I've been living has been my life. God, I want your life. And I want to receive your son, Jesus, into my life. If that's you, would you pray this prayer? Would you just repeat this after me silently to yourself? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I welcome you into my life. I open up my heart to you. God, I want your plan, not my plan. So would you fill me with your love and would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. And hey, let's give it up for those that made that decision for the very first time today. Wow, I mean, I was so blessed by Pastor Craig today. What about you, Maya? Wasn't that a great message? That was a great message. It was a great message. And by the way, I hope you're someone who now I can really walk out and let go of whatever might be an insecurity so you can let God bring security into your life. Now, here's the thing. If you prayed the prayer and said yes to the Lord, either for the first time or to recommit, make sure you text AMEN to 77247 or 77247, as I like to say. And, uh, or you go to crossroadchurch.family and click on I Said Yes. But when you do that, we're going to send you an electronic copy of a book called The Purpose Driven Life, one of the best-selling books of really all time. And it's one that will help you grow in your walk with the Lord. So make sure and text AMEN to 77247 or go to family, And then that way we can interact with you, we can pray for you, and we can become your church family. Yes, and if this message resonated with you or any way, in any way or you need prayer for something, would you let us know in the comments? Our team reads every comment that comes through and we'd love to pray over you. Yeah, and also, if you have not subscribed yet on our YouTube channel, go there and hit subscribe because that way we will, number one, have an opportunity to interact with you, but we can let you know every time we uh, post content there that we believe can be uh, something beneficial in your life. Yes, we're live Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. right here um, and on demand anytime after that. Yeah, so we love you. We really do. We want to interact with you. We want to be family together. And may God bless you in an incredible way. By the way, Maya, I love being with you right now. And we love being with you. And I hope you have a great, great week.